The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you again today as we continue our World Reach Week. Uh, our speaker, Kevin King, is continuing today and Friday along with a lot of other events, so I hope that you're able to uh, be part of those events. As a reminder, Kevin is the president of the International Project uh, out of New York City, and I'm, I don't want to use any more of his time, so I'm going to bring Kevin up right now. Thanks a lot. All right, it's great to be, sorry, one second. It's great to be with you guys again this morning. It's been great um, having lunch with different people and coffee. That's been great. And Alyssa Hackleton is here with our team as well. She's uh, loved to meet with you guys to talk about different ministry opportunities we have in New York City and Rome and Dallas and so forth. So um, yeah, it's great, great being here. So on uh, Monday... We talked about the fact that in Luke 10, it says the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. And I actually think, as I said on Monday, that this is one of those passages that if we just believed it, if we actually believed that the harvest is plentiful, it would change everything for us in terms of evangelism, in terms of our posture in going out. The fact is, is that we really don't believe the harvest is plentiful. We really think, well, there's not really that many people who are interested. There's not many people who would want to hear about Jesus or just talk about spiritual things. And so because we actually believe that, we walk around in fear and silence. And if we believe that the harvest is plentiful, that actually there are thousands of people all around us, even from right this in this spot right here, there are thousands of people who don't know Christ all around us who are spiritually receptive. If we actually believed it, we would go out with a whole different posture. And what I talked about on Monday is that God actually wants us to turn up our spiritual volume. That the Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4, actually says to love the Lord your God with all of your soul and strength and mind and heart, what that looks like is to talk about him all the time, to talk about him from the moment you wake up, as you go along your way, as you go to work, as you go to the library, as you interact with neighbors, to talk about God all the time from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. That's what it looks like to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul. But we have been so afraid to live out loud. And if we just turn up the volume a little bit, Little by little, we keep turning up the volume. We will find that actually we will have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to talk to people about spiritual things, then to share our testimony, then to share the gospel. People whose volume is the loudest have the most spiritual fruit. People whose volume is the loudest lead the most people to Jesus. That's what I've seen over the last 20 years in ministry, that those people who live out loud see the most fruit. We have a girl who came through our equip program named, named Rachel. And Rachel used to go get her hair, uh, her nails done in this Nepali nail shop in Queens. And she would go each week and she would just live out loud and she would talk about, oh, my father told me this, talking about the Lord. And she says, the father told me this and he taught me this as I was reading scripture today. And she would start to go more and more often to this nail shop. And each time she was with different people just doing her nails and she would just talk about the father. And this happened over and over that people in the shop actually started to look forward and they wanted to meet with Rachel. And then the owner of the shop came up to Rachel True story. This happened in New York City. The owner of the shop came up to Rachel, a Nepali guy, and said, would you mind coming in if we close our shop 
early each week, could you come and do a Bible study with everybody in our shop? Like, that's the amazing thing that God does. If we will just be who we are, if we won't be ashamed, if we'll feel comfortable in our own skin as, as children of Jesus, children of the Father, God will open up doors if we just go out in boldness. Let me tell you another story. One of our teammates was in a, in a bodega in Manhattan. It's like a corner store. And he was talking to this West African man about the gospel and uh, talking about Isa Amasi, Jesus the Messiah. He was talking about Isa Amasi. And this woman walks by. And she walks by and she stops and she goes, what are you guys talking about? Now, you're not really sure when someone else walks by and jumps in like that, you know, in a Muslim neighborhood, what, what their intentions are. So he says, well, you know, I'm talking about Isa Amasi, but let me chat with you later. So they finish talking, and he starts talking to this woman who's very, very interested in learning about Isa. Long story short, we disciple her, we coach her. She goes back to Senegal and starts a church. After being coached for a couple years, she goes back and she starts a church. And I just went there this, this past year, and she has about 20 people meeting in her home, and she's, it looks like there's two other churches going to start, and she has three different families gathering people together for a Discovery Bible study. Now, God divinely orchestrated that woman to walk by a conversation at that very moment to overhear them talking about Isa Amasi so that she could say, what are you guys talking about? That's called a divine appointment. A divine appointment. We have another teammate who was in Queens, and he was talking to somebody out on the street. True story. Talking to, actually, all the stories I'm telling you are true. If it's not true, I'll tell you. I guess I don't have to say true story each time. There are times where I make up details to hide certain things. I'll let you know when I'm doing that. Okay. So, one of our teammates is out on the street, and he's talking to somebody, sharing the gospel. A Tibetan man walks by and hears them talking, and he says, are you talking about Jesus? And they said, yes. And he says this. He said, last night I had a dream that I saw Jesus coming down out of the clouds and he pointed at me. And he says, what does this mean? They shared, our teammates said, well, I don't know exactly what it means, but I can tell you, let me share with you about Jesus. So they told him about Jesus and the gospel. The next day, this man put his faith in Christ. God had divinely orchestrated our teammates to be out in this location at just that certain time and to have this man who he had given a dream to the night before to, to, for some reason to go out at that certain time and to walk down that part of the street and to overhear this conversation. And God was working out all the details together. Today, I want to talk about divine appointments. I want to talk about the expectation of divine appointments because I believe that God wants us to pray for and to expect divine appointments. Divine appointments. Now, what is a divine appointment? A divine appoint appointment is when God orchestrates details and events to bring two people or two persons together or two things together for his purposes. And oftentimes it's for the proclamation of the gospel and to see the message go out. We see all different kinds of divine appointments. We see divine appointments where God will actually meet 
meet with a person. Or we, for instance, in, uh, in Exodus, when God, the, the burning bush, met with Moses, a divine appointment. We see divine appointments when uh, pre-inc- you know, pre-incarnate Christ, we call it a Christ- Christophany, will meet with someone. We see divine appointments where God will send angels to meet with people. We see divine appointments where God will have people meet with people. We even sometimes see divine appointments where God has a person run into a certain animal. So we see these different things in Scripture. These are different divine appointments. And I want to tell you four reasons why I think that we should pray for and expect divine appointments. Number one, because all through Scripture, we see that God is sovereign and he orchestrates events within our our lives. We see that all through Scripture. And actually, I'm not going to actually talk a lot about that because I'm going to say that as kind of an assumption that we all believe that God is sovereign and he orchestrates events in our lives. The second reason we should pray for and expect divine appointments is because all through scripture, we see examples of divine appointments. And I'll share some of those. Thirdly, believers are told to kind of expect these divine appointments. And lastly, the fourth reason I think that we should pray for is and expect divine appointments is experientially, I have seen over the past 20 years that those people who live out loud and pray that God would bring people to them and pray that God would soften the hearts of certain people and orchestrate events, those people who pray for divine appointments and expect divine appointments actually see far more divine appointments. That's what I've seen over and over again. So, we see different kind of divine appointments as I've shared. Sometimes, you know, for instance, you know, Exodus 3, burning bush, God interacts with with Moses. That's a divine appointment. What about, for instance, um, in Genesis 19, Abraham interacts with two men. It turns out that they're angels, and it's, it's related to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. God had divinely orchestrated these events so that, that they would come together. You know, uh, Genesis 24, Abraham is looking for a wife for his son. So he sends his servant to his land. And in Genesis 24, we see that uh, the servant says, Lord, um, I'm looking for, a, a, give me a sign that this, uh, about the woman that you want to marry, Isaac. And, and you guys probably know this story, so I'm not going to go into it. But uh, Lord, whoever, when I go into town, whoever, you know, waters my camel, who offers me water and then waters my camels as well, may this be the woman. And God had specifically designed when he came in that Rebecca comes out and she says, would you like a drink? And she says, let me get some water for your camels as well. And the servant knew that this is exactly the person that God has for his, for, uh, his servant Isaac uh, and so forth. So God was orchestrating the events for this to specifically happen. We see, for instance, uh, in Genesis 32, we see Jacob who wrestles with a man and he wrestles all night. God had orchestrated this event. Now, was this an angel? Was this a Christophany? Was this just a man? Well, the text doesn't really tell us, but we know that this was a divine appointment. Jacob actually said, "I've, I've seen God face to face. We know that God orchestrates the events of people. Uh, For instance, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. The Spirit told him to go down to this certain road. And on that road, he he met this Ethiopian eunuch who just happened to be, coincidence? No. Who just happened to be reading Isaiah the prophet. And he was reading through Psalm uh, Isaiah 53. 
And the Spirit told Philip to go up to the chapel. We'll look at that, uh, to the chariot. We'll look at that text in a moment. But this is a divine appointment. Roman centurion, Acts chapter 10, divine appointment. We see a whole number of times where uh, the Spirit gave dreams to Peter and said there's going to be men coming to your door and go with them. And, and then he gave dreams to Cornelius as well. And he brought about this a divine appointment. What was the result? Cornelius ended up gathering all of his family and friends together. The gospel was proclaimed and they all became believers. You see, God divinely orchestrates the events of believers and unbelievers and people to bring about the proclamation of the gospel. We see this all through scripture. Actually, we even see that God said, hey, to his disciples, go into town and you're going to see this cult that's tied. You know, this is a divine appointment. And take that call. If anybody, you know, asks you, just tell the owners what you need it for and they'll give it to you. You know, it, I don't think Jesus was there earlier and said, oh, there's a cult there. Let me tell the guy. No, this was a divine appointment. All through scripture, we see examples of divine appointments. And that would lead us to think that, hey, when, it, when we're walking with the Spirit of God, when we're walking to proclaim his message and to, to, to bring light to the world, that he is teaching us what it means to, to walk with God and how God interacts with the world. You see, we believe that God intervenes in the activities of people and men and the world. That's why we pray. We pray and we say, God, I pray that you would soften the heart of that person to receive the gospel. And you know what? God has decreed through prayer that he actually intervenes into the affairs of men. And we pray that because we believe that God actually intervenes and does something in someone's heart. We pray that God would heal somebody who's sick in the hospital. It doesn't matter what theological background you come from. We all pray that God would heal people who are sick. And the reason we pray that is not just because we like to, we think it's nice to just, you know, pretend that we're talking to God. No, we pray it because we actually believe that God will reach down and do some kind of miraculous work, defying the laws of nature, do some kind of miraculous work in the life of a person to bring healing. We pray that when someone's having a surgery, Lord, we pray, guide the hands of the surgeon. Are we joking ourselves or do we really believe that God would actually intervene in the affairs of man and actually guide the hands of a surgeon? We believe that. When someone's going on a journey, we say, Lord, we pray that you would keep them safe. Do we mean that? Yes, we actually do. We actually believe that through prayer, that when we pray this, that God will actually, maybe he'll put a protection, maybe angels will protect, maybe he will change the event, maybe this drunk driver who was, maybe God will change things and move things and orchestrate things. You see, we believe in all different areas of our lives that God is orchestrating the events of people and men and the events of history. We believe that God is sovereign. And so we should expect and pray for divine appointments. In terms of the gospel and in terms of interacting in this life, you know, Jesus even said, look, you will stand before governors and kings and proclaim this truth. And you know what? That happened just like he said it would. And we see that in scripture. Why? This is a divine appointment. We even see in Hebrews 13, it says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. That's a divine appointment. That's a divine appointment. Look, I'll tell you, I went to Cairn 
let me warn you against this. Let me warn you that it's easy. It's easy to have a theology that is just a theology and doesn't actually work with our real life. Do you know what I mean? Like if we really believe that God answers prayer and we really believe that, you know, we should be praying with expectation. Jesus says when you pray, pray without doubting. You know, I, I, know, I, have, I know some really godly people in other theological circles. And some of these other godly people in other theological circles, they believe some things that I wouldn't necessarily agree with. They have views of miracles and, and things that maybe I would say, well, that, I don't know if the Scripture supports that. But I can tell you this. I've been around people who, from other theological circles, and they have a faith that is powerful and expectant. When they pray, they actually want, are expecting that it's actually going to happen. And I've also been around people who come from theological circles where they believe in prayer and they believe that God intervenes in affairs, but they just, their doubt just overcomes them. So they just feel like they just have to say, if the Lord wills, and that just kind of eliminates any, you know, Lord, if, if you will do this. And I've kind of come from theological circles that pray and don't really expect. I don't want that. I don't want that for myself. That's not what God has. I mean, he says, pray and believe it without doubting. Believe it. Now, like, like Daniel and, 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 you know, and the guys in the furnace, you know, look, regardless of what God does, I don't care. We're still going to, but you know what? Let's pray and believe and expect. We have a God who is alive. We have a God who is here. We have a God who is interacting. And he calls us to be a light and he calls us to turn up the volume and we will be amazed at the things that he does. And he calls us and he says, pray, because in some kind of mysterious way that I don't understand, I believe that God is sovereign. And yet I also believe that he has decreed that through prayer, he will act in certain ways if we call out to him. And maybe he sovereignly moves us to pray. And if, we're, if, if he's not moving you to pray for certain things, then fall down on your knees before God and go fast and say, God, why aren't I sensing you moving me to pray for certain things? And when he moves you to pray for certain things, then he actually divinely orchestrates those things to happen through your prayer, through your prayer. You see, God is a God of divine appointments. God is a God of divine appointments. I was talking to a friend and he shared, me, shared this story with me. He said, I went into, actually, before I share that, let me go, let's look at this quickly. Let's look at this uh, Ephesians passage because I think this is helpful. Uh, I'm sorry, this Acts, uh, Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch. Acts 8, now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Uh, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home, and he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading the Isaiah the prophet, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? Philip, said, uh, Philip asked, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip up to sit down in his chariot. I've thought about this a lot. And I've thought about, well, what, what was Philip actually experiencing? 
What was he actually experiencing here? Like, what was his day actually looking like as this was unfolding? And it says, like, the the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go to the road, the desert road that goes down to Jerusalem. Okay, so he could have heard an audible voice that said this to him. That's a very, very strong possibility. I think he could have felt a strong impression where he would say, man, I feel like the Lord is telling me to go down this path. I think both are possible. I think both are possible. One way or the other, he, it was clear in his mind that the Lord is telling him to do this. And let me say this, we should have experiences like this. We should sense the Holy Spirit telling us to do things. I don't care if you say it's audible or it's not audible or I don't know, but you should sense that the Holy Spirit is telling you to do things. And if you haven't had that experience in a while, then you need to say, God, why aren't I experiencing you? Why aren't I hearing your voice? Why aren't I sensing your spirit? We need to get to a place where we're so used to hearing the spirit of God. Uh, This is another thing I've learned is that you grow in your spiritual senses. You grow in your spiritual senses. Um, The more that you are used to hearing, it's like you grow in your understanding of the Word of God when you read it. I grow in my relationship with my wife, and, and I know that when she gives that certain look, I know exactly what that means, and I know how to respond. Do you know what I mean? Like, we grow in relationship. We grow in how to relate to certain people and interact with certain people. That's how we grow in this relationship with the Spirit. And for some people, you know, maybe the Spirit's going to interact with you in some way that He's not, that he's not going to interact with someone else in that way. He has a personal relationship with you, and he's going to interact with you in certain ways and prompt you in certain ways. In the evangelism course the other day, I was uh, with Noy. I was telling a story about Noy. Now, Noy had this neighbor next door. I'll just tell it really quickly. Noy had this neighbor next door, and uh, he was 80 years old. He didn't speak English. Noy lived next to him for like 10 years. And he just felt like the Spirit was saying, you need to share the gospel with them. But Noy was like, I don't even know what that means. I can't speak Spanish. This guy doesn't speak English. Anyway, Noy about four weeks ago was walking down the street, and he sees the man. And in the past, they've always just said, hola, hola, 80-year-old guy. He just, that's it. That's, that's their depth of communication. But Noy felt like the Spirit was prompting him to go over to the man and engage him in some way. And Noy didn't know what that meant, but he was just like, okay, okay. And so he walks over to the guy, and he's like, hola. And the guy's like, hola. And then they stand there, and it's awkward, and they smile and nod. And then Noy thinks, you know, hey, I actually have the gospel on my phone in Spanish, and he has his headphones. So he takes his headphones out, and he goes to the man, he goes, And the guy's like, doesn't know because he's 80 and probably never had headphones in before. But the guy, so Noy puts the, the guy shakes, Noy puts the headphones in his ears. And then he plays as the man's standing there. He listens to the whole thing. Afterwards, they try to do Google Translate and talk, but it doesn't work very well. And Noy leaves that situation and thinks to himself, God, why, why did I feel like you wanted me to do this? It doesn't make any sense to me. Within three weeks, the guy died of COVID. Can I prove what was happening? No, I can't. But when the Spirit is prompting you to do something, you see, we all probably have had experiences where we felt like the Spirit wanted us to do something and we didn't do it. 
and we regret it. We regret it. And we need to grow in sensing the prompting and the speaking of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to grow. So my friend Kenny's in a supermarket, and he sees a friend from high school. Now, Kenny's probably in his 30s, 40s now, but he sees this guy from high school, and uh, he's, he didn't really get along really well with the guy, but he kind of felt like this, the Spirit was telling him, hey, go over to this guy and just engage him. You know, just engage him and just say hello, but engage him spiritually. So he walks over, and um, where they're in the supermarket, and they're in this aisle, and he starts talking to his friend, and he talks to him about, you know, how, what God's doing in his life, and how God has, uh, he just shares some personal testimony. And the guy's, like, completely, like, hardened, and is, like, completely, like, not interested. And so Kenny is just kind of like, hey, it's good to see you, and they move on. And Kenny leaves thinking, Lord, why did you just prompt me to go and talk to this guy when he was totally hardened. And so he's thinking that, and then he's in an aisle getting cereal or something, and a woman comes up, to, sorry, a woman comes up to him. I don't know why I'm crying. It's just really cool. A woman comes up to him, and she said, I'm really sorry, but I overheard your friend, you talking to your friend, and I was on the other aisle, and I was buying something, and I overheard you talking to your friend, and I thought, that's exactly what I need in my life. And can I talk to you more about that? <laughs> Man, that's a divine appointment. That's a divine appointment. God had divinely orchestrated him to... God, had, the Holy Spirit prompted him to talk to his friend. He goes to this place in this certain aisle. God had divinely caused this woman to get, I don't know, cereal pasta, whatever, in a certain aisle at a certain time to overhear, to overhear this conversation. God had already been working in her life. And man, he orchestrates that. As we live out loud, we will see that happen more and more. Do you guys remember me talking about Mohammed, pizza guy delivery, who comes to the, my house? Man, I'm like, hey, where are you from? I mean, what's your name? Mohammed. Where are you from? Synagogue. Wow, God's really doing something amazing in the lives of Synagogue and the people in Synagogue. We start interacting. We start doing a Bible study together. We start praying together each week. I do this with him for a year and a half, and he leaves, goes back to Synagogue. Wow. We, we kept texting, but I'm like, man, I don't, I don't understand that. Anyway, he, he goes through a crisis in Synagogue, and he texts me, and he says, hey, can you please pray for me? I said, I can pray for you, but also I know a woman, a woman of God named Sabadu in your city. Can she come over and pray for you? So he says, yes. So Sabadu, you remember Sabadu? Sabadu goes over to his house. I'm at my niece's wedding in Pennsylvania. I get a text from Sabadu, and it says, Mohammed and his whole family just prayed to receive Christ. God it's so amazing that God divinely, I, I believe, God divinely gave me a desire for pizza, <laughs> which is, happens a lot. <laughs> he gave me this desire for pizza at just the right time when Muhammad was working. Maybe there's other delivery people, but God gave the pizza to, you know, Muhammad got that pizza, came to my house, orchestrated this, went through this whole thing for a year and a half. God was orchestrating Sabadu and our teammate. The whole thing happened. And then God in his sovereignty was planning for Sabadu to lead Muhammad and his family to Christ. That's what God does. That's what God does. We have, I just have a couple more. Let me tell you one more quick story. 
We have a guy named Chris who is on campus ministry. We have a campus team in New York City reaching international students. And Chris um, meets with this guy from, uh, let me just make up a country really quickly, um, uh, Iran. Well, he meets with this guy from Iran. But he meets with this Muslim guy, and uh, this guy signs up for an English conversation group because we do English conversation groups on campus. So they meet together, and Chris, you know, is in our equipped training, and he's really living out. He just said, oh, yeah, God's really, you know, amazing, and this is some things he's doing in my life. And they start talking a little bit about spiritual things. And then uh, Chris says to this guy, um, Yusuf, he says, are you interested in learning the Bible? And Yusuf says, I actually am. And, and they start talking. And this is the story Yusuf said. Yusuf said, you know, in Iran, I was an imam, which is like a Muslim priest. I was an imam. Because my father is a very uh, well-known and respected imam in my country. And I was an imam following in his footsteps. And, you know, I was engaged to be married. And I was moving up in my life as a religious leader. And I just started to have a lot of doubts I started to read the Quran and have various doubts. And so I just felt like it got to a point where I had to step down. I couldn't continue to, to lead this way. So I stepped down. And when I stepped down to not be an imam, my family rejected me and my fiance break, broke up with me and my life began to spiral downwards. And he said, I called out to God and I was just so confused and I didn't understand who God was and why this was happening. And he said, God, whoever you are, please just, just speak to me in some way. And he said, God, I had a dream that very night. I had a dream, and in the dream it said, you will find the truth in New York. <laughs> and he said, this is what the story that this guy told Chris. And so I came here, and I, that when I first came, he came as a student on a student visa. He says, I saw this English conversation group, and I came and I met you, and you talked to me about Jesus. And he says, yes, I'd love to be in a Bible study. That's a divine appointment. That's a divine appointment. That woman at Planet Fitness that I shared about on Monday, you know, God had prompted her to buy a, buy a Bible three weeks earlier and prompted me to go to the gym just that time when she was working and come out when nobody else was standing around there. You see, God orchestrates the events in people's lives to bring about these divine appointments for us and for other people. And we should pray for them and we should expect them. And if we go out with faith, praying, Lord, I pray that you would draw, bring people to me who are spiritually receptive. Is that a good prayer? Yeah, that's a good prayer. If, if we're going to pray it, man, we better well believe it. God, I pray today that you bring someone to me who you have prepared for salvation. We have a girl in one of our house churches named Wendy. Wendy is, is one who is constantly seeking to, to follow the Spirit and, and to to interact with people. She, she has a normal job in the city. She takes the subway every day in the city. But, you know, she comes and shares stories like this often. She said, I was going to get on the subway and I was, get in the, and I was getting onto the subway and I just prayed. And I said, Lord, guide me to the seat that you want me to sit on, you know, where I might interact with someone. She doesn't force anything. She just prays this and she waits in expectation. So she let, God led her to this certain seat. And of course, she didn't feel like she was being led. She just went and sat down, right? Um, so she prays this. She's praying for this. And she just walks in and she just finds an empty seat. And then she opens her Bible because she does this on her way to work. She opens her Bible and she shares stories like this often. And the woman next to her says, what are you reading? And she says, well, I'm reading the Gospel of John. 
She goes, you know, I've really had a lot of questions. And they open this big conversation. That's a divine appointment. We need to pray with faith and expectation that God will use us to engage people. We need to pray that when we go out, that, that God will give us appointments with people. We pray for it. We expect it. And I can tell you this, the people who live out loud consistently and the people who pray and expect God to move in the hearts of people around them, they see the most divine appointments. If we're not experiencing this, and look, this is not a judgment statement because you know what? <laughs> Just like all, there's no spiritual superstars. I used to think there were. I don't anymore. We're all on a journey. We all come close to God, and we all drift, and then we have to come back, and then we drift. I'm just like you. And so sometimes I feel like, Lord, why am I not expectant? Why am I not walking out in faith? Why am I not walking in prayer? How come my desire has dwindled? And we constantly have to evaluate our heart before the Lord and call out to him and say, Lord, do a work in my life. But Father, I pray that you would use me, and Lord, give me an expectant heart to see you move. If you turn up the volume, if you go out unashamed, if you just become comfortable in, in your own skin as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, I'm not, you don't even have to cram the gospel on anybody's throat. If somebody doesn't respond, no worries. God's in control. Just keep being who you are as a spiritual person. Talk about God all the time. If somebody wants to respond, great. If they don't, no worries. No worries. I'm not for, you know, well, please let me share this with you right now. No. Unless the Spirit is leading you to be a John the Baptist type preacher on the corner, which I think God uses that too. If the Spirit's leading you to do that, do it. But in general, turn up our volume, pray in expectation, and you will see God do great things through your life. Let's pray. Father, we just worship you. We thank you that you are in control. We thank you that you are sovereign, Lord. This gives us incredible peace. It gives us peace in all the turmoil of life. You are sovereign through COVID. You are sovereign through the trials and the struggles that we have, Lord. You're sovereign as we interact with our friends, Lord. You are sovereign um, in this chapel right now, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you would transform our view of prayer and expectation, Lord, I pray that you would transform our view of just being real and, and living out loud and being the, the children of God that you call us to be. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a whole new experience of what it means to see spiritual fruit. Father, I pray your spirit, that your spirit would rest on every person here and move in our hearts, Lord, move in our hearts in conviction and power, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.